0: Wo yoy, wo yoy, wo yoy. Danny Dan come on the radio again.
1: Yo! If you want no smoke free it. Grow bud yourself, you need to go plant that seed. Grow bud yourself, make your knowledge increase. Grow bud yourself. Grow bud yourself. Grow bud yourself. You want no smoke.
2: Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 84 of Grow Bud Yourself, the podcast that teaches you to grow bud yourself. And we have a great show in store for you guys. We've got Duke Diamond from Dominion Seed Company. He's going to tell us all about growing in Virginia and much more. Uh, The cultivation segment features a grow tip on growing weed with fluorescent lights, as well as answers to listener grow questions. It's Grow Bud Yourself, all brought to you by Organic Rev Growth Stimulant, Rocket Seeds, Excelsior Extracts, and Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Stick around. Episode 84 is coming at you. Hey, so if you're looking to grow healthier, faster growing plants and increase your yields, organic REV is the answer. REV is safe to use from seed through harvest and its active ingredients are 100% naturally occurring. REV is a growth stimulant, not a nutrient. Simply adding REV to your current regimen can deliver dramatic results. And because it's not a nutrient, Rev can't burn your plants. Growers turn to Rev to increase fertilizer efficiency, improve their nutrient uptake and the root zone development, stimulate seed germination, reduce transplant shock, and more. On a personal note, I've been using Rev and it works great. My plants absolutely love it and they respond immediately by greening up and looking healthy and strong. And now, our listeners can receive 10% off their first order of organic Rev, with the promo code GBY10. That's good for 10% off your entire purchase at Organic Rev. So head to OrganicRev.com GBY10 and find out what Rev can do for your plants. All right, welcome back. Episode 84 is here. As always, thank you to DJ Jacques and WinStrong for the tune. We are here Episode eighty four is here. I uh how are you doing, Mike? Oh, I'm hanging in there, you know, doing all right. right. Eighty four, that's a good number, impressive. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting up there. And yeah, I had a great uh a great weekend, actually. I I was uh a judge last week for the PIFCon, uh which was a contest specific to uh us here in the Northeast and particularly New York area. Piff is like, you know, slang for for haze, a particular type of haze that you would get uptown, uh, or you could still probably get uptown, but you used to as well. Uh and, you know, it's that Dominican haze, the Miami haze, the Cuban haze. There's lots of different names, black haze, uh Poudet, uh but it's just, you know, people either love it or hate it. It's it's definitely not, you know, Kush. It's not sour, it's not Chem. It's it's completely different terp profile. It's very much uh, Sativa dominant. It's very much uh, somewhat wispy. Has that typical hazy spiciness to it. Hard to describe. Some people talk about cat piss and basement terps and stuff. And you know, with varying levels of uh, whether they love it or not. But but I love it. You know, I do enjoy it. I I'm glad that's not all the weed in the world. But I do love uh, having that as kind of a daytime variety. And anyone who's from the Northeast or even, you know, a connoisseur in general anywhere uh, is going to know that specific, like, piffy quality that uh, you get. You know, some people call it church because it reminds me and uh, many others of kind of the the incense-y kind of smell that you get when you burn, you know, I guess, frankincense and myrrh and whatever it was back in the day that they (laughs) they would have in the church. Uh, But... You know even yeah even snoop would call it church church so it's got that like je ne sais quoi i guess you know like a very uh different people describe it in different ways but for me uh sandalwood spice um very little lemon or anise or anything like that much more on the uh incense side of things and uh sativa dominant so you know it's very much a daytime weed i got a lot of chores done and had a lot of fun there was uh two different flower categories there was uh over 75 days flowering and under 75 days flowering and there was a couple of concentrates as well uh so that was a lot of fun so whose event
1: was was uh was pifcon
2: it was uh it was a uh, collaboration between Piff Coast Farms and uh Gene Traders who you know Gene Traders have done a bunch of events all around um you know they're based here on the east but they've done Michigan and uh all all over the country and basically it's 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 for the home grower you know it's it's very much um it's exactly like it sounds Gene Traders people are there with seeds people are there with clones uh, it's not warehouse growers. this is the connoisseurs. All, all you know it's our listeners for the most part, you know, or at least maybe they used to be listeners and, and then moved on. I don't know, but a lot of people you know mentioned the show uh, at the event. it was uh, it was a lot of fun to be there. It was in uh, Queens here in, in New York uh, in New York City. and uh, yeah, I like to see these things really uh, becoming more and more specific to terp profiles and strain profiles rather than just, you know, indica or sativa. Um, And even, you know, even Harvest Cup up in mass, uh, even they're starting to uh, break it down into different terp uh, dominant profiles. So myrcene or limonene or linalool. And I think that's really good because it becomes more and more specific. Uh, So you're not having a bunch of different varieties competing against each other. Uh, and really finding out who's the best at a specific cultivar. And that to me is very exciting and interesting. And so it was a lot of fun. The winners was Ni- a Nigerian, at least my winner, I think was a Nigerian silk or Nigerian haze, uh, originally a JJ top dog seeds, uh, strain grown out, um, by some friends up North. And, uh, yeah, it was just fun. I feel like I'm still kind of buzzing from it, you know, (laughs) even though, uh, I haven't smoked any haze today. I still, I got that energy though. It's flowing in my veins. If you, if you catch my drift. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
1: That that sounds like a good time, a good event, and just to your point, it's a conversation for a, a different show, perhaps. But yeah, that that whole indica sativa categorization very useful in its time, but we have moved past that. So it's cool to see people kind of going with a different approach for separating
2: cannabis mm-hmm. entries. Yeah, I mean, it's just an overgeneralization. It's right. not that it's not true mm-hmm. that plants can be indica or sativa dominant. Everything's a hybrid and, you know, everything at this point is like a poly hybrid. Uh, but uh, we've gotten we're getting a little deeper into the different terpene profiles. And I think that's that's exciting as well, yeah. because, uh, you know, whether it be myrcene or linalool or whatever it might be, um, it's not just the effect that it has on our heads, but our, on our bodies and on our ailments, you know, in particular. So it's been fun. And exciting, and, and I enjoy it. And I think there's going to be a lot more of this to come. I think that results in a in a better uh, understanding of, of of these varieties and cultivars and and uh, genotypes, phenotypes, all that stuff.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, cool event. And uh, we have we have some cannabis news that we should probably discuss. And uh, yes, I think there's only one place to start, and it's with. <laughs> a pretty badass new uh, a campaign ad from Gary Chambers, who's a Democrat running for uh, the, the Senate out of Louisiana. And uh, actually, maybe we should just play the audio. It's pretty quick. So let's just listen to, uh, to what Gary Chambers has to say in his new ad.
0: Every 37 seconds, someone is arrested for possession of marijuana. Since 2010, state and local police have arrested an estimated 7.3 million Americans for violating marijuana laws, over half of all drug arrests. Black people are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana laws than white people. States waste $3.7 billion enforcing marijuana laws every year. Most of the people police are arresting aren't dealers, but rather people with small amounts of pot, just like me. I'm Gary Chambers, and I'm running for the U.S. Senate, and I approve this message.
1: And now, so you obviously could just go and check that out on YouTube if you'd like, but just to give a little description of it, he's, (laughs) he's sitting on a chair sort of out in a field, and he is smoking a blunt. He is actually consuming <laughs> cannabis in this ad that's going to be
2: on television. And uh, I, for one, support this. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I had to do a double take mm-hmm. uh, because I thought, you know, maybe it's a cigar and he's kind of just, you know, c- but it's a, it's a blunt. It's clearly a hand-rolled blunt. And, uh, I, you know, I uh, I support him wholeheartedly. Uh, definitely going to send him a few bucks and I hope uh, anyone else who supports this will, because I think it's a very bold move. I think uh, it's an important uh, message. And I think, uh, you know, this is the type of guy who should be in politics. <laughs> you know, we'll see uh, how this works out. But I think, uh, you know, we need bold solutions. And <laughs> to me, this is like one of the boldest. I mean, he's in Louisiana, too. Right. Which is has not never been known as a very cannabis friendly uh At least politically, by law. There's plenty of people smoking in in, in Louisiana, but um, very harsh penalties, uh, particularly, as he mentioned, to the black and brown community. And I just think, uh, you know, it's a breath of fresh air. And uh, ironically, that breath of fresh air comes with a big hit off a blunt. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So uh, kudos to him. And, uh, you know, if you feel like sending the guy a couple bucks, uh, please do. Because, you know, (laughs) he's definitely put himself out there, man, and I like it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, in a statement that kind of went along with that, he, uh, Chambers, said, For too long, candidates have used the legalization of marijuana as an empty talking point in order to appeal to progressive voters. I hope this ad works uh, to not only destigmatize the use of marijuana, but also forces a new conversation that creates a pathway to legalize this beneficial drug and forgive those who were arrested due to outdated ideology. So... Yeah, I'm very much uh supporting Mr. Chambers here and uh, appreciate this 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 kind of uh, bold advertisement. Yeah. Put your bloody
2: when your mouth is.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so let's hop from uh from Louisiana over to New Mexico and I have to tell you guys I do this for a living and I completely forgot the New Mexico legalized pot. But they did. So congratulations, New Mexico. But yeah, back in April of 2021, uh, New Mexico did legalize cannabis. And the story here is that they're now expanding or increasing uh, the amount of cannabis that can be grown by uh, licensed cultivators. And this is ahead of their launch date for legal sales, which is going to be this spring. They have an April 1st deadline to launch their recreational cannabis sales. So they're increasing the amount of cannabis that can be grown and this is due to the fact that they feel they're gonna need more supply to meet the demand that's coming up this spring. The only downside here is that some uh, activists believe that this is a sort of a way to let the big players make more money because the larger growers and cultivators are going to be able to have this plant increase, but the micro growers will not Get the amount of plants uh, they can grow increased with this rule change. So they they're allowed to grow 200 plants according to the law, and that's not going to be changed by this rule. However, government officials are saying that they're going to look into that and try to get the micro growers' plant counts expanded as well. So that's sort of where things are at in New Mexico at the moment.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I hate plant count limits in general, but I also know there's lots of ways around them: Uh, longer fetch times, bigger plants all of that, uh, it just, it doesn't make sense that you can grow, you know, 199 plants and be perfectly fine, and then 201 plants, and suddenly that's breaking the law. It's, it's really dumb, uh, and hopefully, you know, won't won't stand the test of time. Eventually, people will be able to grow as many plants as they want, uh, and they certainly shouldn't be increasing plant limits for commercial growers and not increasing them for home growers, I mean that that doesn't make sense either, but again, the limit is on the amount of plants, not the size of the plants, so just grow bigger plants. Uh, it's just the game that we have to play with these stupid regulations and and over taxing and overburdening of us as cultivators. but hey, you know, at least they legalized in New Mexico, and you know people won't be going to jail for it, and uh, eventually. You know, we'll look back at these lim- plant count limits as a very silly interim, you know, solution to a problem that didn't even exist to begin with.
1: There you go. Yeah, and I'm gonna—I promise I'm gonna stop bringing this up every time. But uh, it is interesting that uh, New York and New Jersey legalized around the same time as New Mexico, and uh, they're just about set to launch their recreational sales, whereas uh, New York and New Jersey not so much. So.
2: There you go. Yeah. Well, that does suck. And a lot of places opt, you know, communities opting out in New York and New Jersey, uh, which is a problem. But, uh, you know, I live in New York City. It's definitely not opting out. Uh, But it'd be a shame to to be in one of these places in Long Island or upstate um, that does opt out and then just have to travel further away for your cannabis if you're buying it from a dispensary or. uh, Yeah, it's just (laughs) it's so stupid. Uh, And they should definitely be allowing home grow in all these places uh, without limits. It's crazy.
1: All right. Well, that is a little bit of a look at what's going on in the world of weed. But uh, we have a really exciting interview coming up for you guys.
2: Yes, indeed. And a long time coming. Uh, Duke Diamond from Dominion Seed Company is our interview. Uh, He has been a, a, a grower and a breeder for many years, helping people online uh, sharing information, sharing genetics, and all of that. And uh, I've been wanting to have him on the show for a long time. He uh, spent a little time uh, with the government <laughs> in uh, in their, you know, whatever you want to call it, subsidized housing. But he's out now and free from uh, that ordeal and back into the cannabis world. So we want to welcome him back and talk to him about uh, his experiences and also uh, what his plans are for the future. So without further ado, why don't we take a break and come back after these messages with Duke Diamond. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're gonna need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor Rocket Seeds has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the fortnight. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out RocketSeeds.com today and get growing. All right, welcome back to episode 84 of grow Bud yourself. And we have a special guest for you guys this week. Uh, an amazing breeder, someone I've, uh, been, uh, aware of since basically like the late nineties, we used to be on the overgrow forums and the IC mags and all of that way back in the day. Uh, or at least what I guess you guys would consider back in the day, 30 some years ago. Uh, welcome to our guest it is mr duke diamond welcome uh thanks for having me on Danny. yeah it doesn't seem like that long ago does it buddy (laughs) not at all we're still we're spring chickens i think as far as you know i mean i guess people could look at us as some uh you know some elder statesmen but really i I think we're kids at heart right yeah man it's all mental man Uh, i still feel
0: like i'm 18 19 you know
2: yeah i mean and cannabis keeps us young and you know you and i i think we have uh, a shared experience of of uh of being attracted to cannabis at a pretty young age i mean i was like 12 13 14 yeah. in that area and i think you have a similar kind of origin story can you tell me a little bit well let me just introduce people who ha- who don't know um duke diamond uh our buddy tommy here he's uh you know been a part of the cannabis you know uh breeding world and and the community uh out of virginia for many years repping uh you know the south and the east coast in a lot of ways and we'll get into all the details of that uh but dominion seed company is the company uh and you know many strains that he's also uh associated with but uh take us back to the early days and uh, and how you got interested in you know planting your first seeds
0: well um it all was a wrap after the first time blazing, and uh you know right then and there, <clears throat> availability and quality were definitely the the big motivators of just doing my own thing um I'd even felt. Like even back then, you know, because like, you know, we had actual task force hunting, hunting us down, you know, and like trying to lock people up. So I kind of felt that it was like safer, honestly, to just uh, to grow your own and to uh, to do it that way. You got a better quality, uh, didn't cost the absurd amount of money. You weren't relying on someone else. And I felt like potentially. Your 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 chances of getting popped were were way less because you didn't have to go around associating with a bunch of people, you know. So um, I kind of got lucky though because when I when I started sprouting that first batch of seeds, my cousins who were like way way older than I was, uh, they caught me. <laughs> Thankfully, it was them, you know, instead of uh, the parents or uh, you know the cops or whatever. But they took me under their wing and um, got me got me growing in the right direction. <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, one of the things I remember in those in those early days was how uh places like Virginia and Kentucky were really repping those like, you know, the skunk strains that really grew well in those regions. Um, you know, the 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 more I guess indica dominant strains that maybe even Norcal couldn't necessarily um accomplish where they were at. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the West coast and the Northeast and places, um, as, uh, you know, places where or strains originated, but, um, Virginia and Florida and Kentucky and the South really, uh, played a major role in like the seventies and the eighties, right? Oh yeah, man. They were, they were
0: pumping out, pumping out a lot of weight, um, good climate. You know, uh, just agriculturally based places, you know, um, Kentucky, Virginia, the Carolinas and Georgia, Florida, that whole southeast right there was just prime, crime, crime for, for growing outdoor. And uh, like, you know, like the cornbread mafia guys, you know, you can <clears throat> people can read about them out of, out of Kentucky. I mean, they were literally moving tons, tons of of, of literally tons of weed. Uh that was all being grown in those hills, you know.
2: Yeah, it's one of my favorite stories actually because I think they had over seventy people who were co-defendants in a case and not one confidential informant, not one person that was able to be flipped or switched or uh you know, took less time or whatever to, you know, flip on their on their family members or their buddies. Um and I think it was a really uh, for me, like kind of a pivotal case, because you know, you look at you know even mafia and gangs and all you know like there's always someone who <laughs> snitches oh. everybody out and 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 they that didn't happen with them and so you know learning that story at a, at a young age for me was like okay these guys from the south aren't playing like they're they're willing to do the fifteen or twenty or whatever it is um, in order to just you know uh, be honorable. Yeah, and, and I think that you know that goes a long way. I mean, um, real loyalty, yeah. family—you know, Almerta. Uh, yeah, you know, all the things people talk about. Uh, but every time you see the movie or you see, you know, you read the book or whatever, it's kind of always about the the person who snitched. Yeah, you know, even Goodfellas and everything else. But oh, yeah. no one tells the story where no one snitched. Yeah, and that to me is is the ultimate story and. You know we should also mention you know you've done you've done some uh <laughs> some time uh you know, and not for anything crazy, right I mean, nothing well, basically you know. you know i i guess possession of a firearm as a convicted felon, which to me is a pretty silly thing to put someone someone away for who's just kind of protecting family and and that kind of thing but um you've seen that side of uh of you know the cannabis yeah world and 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 yeah tell me a little bit about that well <clears throat> so like my first uh my first go
0: around was back in 2007 um and even back then like things were changing you know you had your you know medical in california for a while but other states were coming online hard with their medical programs and uh you know, people were like, "Oh, yeah, times are changing, and it's not as big of a deal as it was." And you know, it makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside until, like, now you're dealing with the DEA, <laughs> and you know, especially for you know a very, very small garden just in the room of a of a house. Um, and then, you know, I guess the the number one thing to take away from it all is, like, even these these DEA agents, um, they didn't believe necessarily in their job as far as, like, you know, all the weed was, <clears throat> you know, the, the devil's lettuce, and it's, you know, doing all this harm. It was just cut and dry. It's illegal. Um, somebody ratted on you. Of um, course, it ratted on me, got hemmed up with a lot of, lot of crazy shit. But, um, to them, it's just a means to an end, like, I mean they kind of know that you know but amongst all of them you got these these still like really die hard guys like the head the head agent I mean he would treat talk like about weed like it was crack <laughs> you know and he believed it you know and that that was the that was the problem and uh you know it's George Bush era times too um and you know all those old heads like they they actually believed in what they were doing And, um, the, the links that they go to just to, you know, nab somebody up. And I mean, spend a lot of money and a lot of effort looking at somebody growing some plants that could have been spent for, uh, you know, people that were doing, uh, sex trafficking and importing large, large amounts of like drug drugs and, um, all types of other crazy shit. They're like, nah, well, you know, we're going to hunt down people growing some plants. So, um, just seeing the links that they'll go to and the money that they'll throw at it um, just because there's people with these old mindsets, um, you know, they're they're fucked up people, you know, and uh, they got no problem in, uh, you know, throwing you in the pen, man, and, and really smashing you. And the thing with the feds is like people, they they don't understand about the difference, you know, between the state and, and the feds, you know, the feds like there's no lead way. There's no. Like the state, oh yeah, we sent you to ten years, but you know it's all over your head, and you're going to be on probation for a year or two, whatever. It's like no, when the feds say ten years, they mean ten years, and you're going to do eighty-five percent of that time. And um, you know they're going to treat you like an animal, and that that's that, you know. And then on the back end of it, yeah, I was a felon in possession because I grew weed once upon a time, got caught, and now live in a in a country. You know, where even D C is governed by federal law, it's not a state. It's where they make laws and shit, you know? So uh you know, I don't understand it. it's still federally illegal, but you know, you can get weed in D C. So it it's just <laughs> kinda of mind numbing the the whole thing, but at the end of it, um, they're they're truly bastards and they will uh they'll 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 do their best to ruin you, you know. So
2: yeah yeah absolutely we're We're in some really interesting times right now where uh in one state you can get twenty five to life in another state you can be a millionaire yeah and um you know as mentioned you you came up out of Virginia, and you know the whole cannabis scene in those days um you know I think you had to be real quiet about it at the same time. The strains were really loud, I mean the skunks that uh, people were growing um the afghan and stuff like Can you talk a little bit about some of those foundational um, sort of heirloom strains that came about in the 80s and 90s in the South? Because uh, I don't think it really gets its due, uh, you know, nationwide and worldwide for people to understand, like, um, you know, these huge yielders and these amazing, you know, fairly short flowering strains that – really were able to sustain families and put people through college and (laughs) a lot of, a lot of amazing stories, but just, yeah, I guess reflect a little bit about on, on those skunks and, and how those, how those found their way to Virginia and then what people did with them after they got there.
0: Well, the, the way a lot of it, you know, I, and, you know, I can't speak for every, every single person out there, but the common denominator was, uh, that you know, goes back to the High Times magazines back in the day. You know, they would see that that magazine. They could see um, what was being grown over in uh, over in Holland and everything. Read the descriptions and 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 you know, be like, oh, you know that that's insane. Look at this. Uh, look at this Neville guy growing these fields. And you know, oh, I, you know that that sounds that sounds good. Um, ordering ordering seed over and then just you know putting it. Putting it to the challenge of like, hey, what, what what grows well? What works? What doesn't finish? What does finish? And a lot of the things that were doing well were, um, you know, the Afghanis, the Afghan skunks, and the Northern Light skunks. And I'm pretty sure like, you know, a lot like those things, they performed very well all over the place. But, um, you know, when, when Neville was doing his thing, and the, the Sativa Sea Club is doing their thing. Like these were these are not like not like if you order some shit from Sensi today, yeah, nothing nothing like that. You know, this is very very extremely potent bud, um, very very stinky shit. Um, and you know, this stuff still tastes <coughs> still you know stands to the, today like some of the stinkiest weed that you can grow. And you know, some of the ships from you know, 1986 and 88, 89, 91, 94, you know, all those things that were coming out then were like really just ass stomping stuff. And guys from that re- those regions are like <clears throat> mediocrity is like not a thing. Like if they're going to go down for something, it's going to be something really, really good. Um, and, you know, there's the competition as well. You know, you got people bringing stuff from California and all over all over the usa so like you know you had to you had to be competitive with with the quality as well so um you know a lot of those things came to be uh, the hash plants were were another one um not yeah. not necessarily for making making hash, but big heavy yielding fuckers that finished up before the, the fall rains really came in and um yeah you know that all that stuff it it was it, it worked you know, and it, it was received very well, and um, people in that you know in those regions tend to go with you know if it ain't broke you know just, you know keep rolling it. So now they're making hybrids of the two, and um, you know doing like farmer shit, man. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's trying to speed up the mm-hmm. flower time or going for those best selections as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the hash plant and uh, the HPG 13 was always like a big one that would make its way up from Virginia up to where we are in the Northeast. Um, The Skelly HP. Yeah. um, And a lot of that, I think, had to do with hybrid vigor as well. I think um, because people down there understood, you know, take take don't just take random pollen and cross it with a random female, but actually pick and choose you know what you're crossing for the next generation to make the next generation and uh again you, you know you your breeding i think came out of the fact that you don't want to order seeds every year and go right. through the risk right. of all of that so like you know to t- talk a little bit about how that how that happens kind of almost organically like you know you take that risk but then after that you're trying to make something new exactly man like um And,
0: you know, like any farmer is going to do, they need seed stock Um, growing from clone outdoors. I mean, like enough people are growing nowadays, you know, like, yeah, you can you can do it, but you're not going to crush it like you would with a good seed stock. Um, So any anybody that was like, uh, you know, very farmer minded, they're going to make their own seed stock Uh, one because. Yeah, you, you got to change cars three times to get a money order to mail it out and wait two you know, maybe two months, six weeks, two months to, to get the seed pack back. Um, you know, it's expensive. It's a lot of trouble so they can make their own. And then, yeah, the eventually playing around with the combinations of different things, um, having something different than the farmer down the road, you know, like uh, being unique, you know, that that definitely plays a part in the, in the whole thing too. But yeah, Yeah, I I
2: always remember, I remember you being very helpful in those like internet days of overgrow and IC mag and all of that and really getting out there and like helping people and also, uh, you know, sharing the genetics, which I think, you know, at the time everything was kind of about hoarding and um, you know, you, you, you shared. And I think a lot of these uh, varieties survived, over time because of that even some of these skunks you know that people are finding in these random grows uh i know the dominion skunk like in particular even in large scale grows i mean i see them in like warehouse grows where uh and also by the way the yield is ridiculous like yeah (laughs) i mean like uh i guess what is that the two liter bottle like
1: uh, the old
2: donkey (laughs) the donkey dick <laughs> size of it. But I mean, but the potency's there too. And I mean, we, sh- we mentioned all this old school kind of skunk and and HP and G13 and stuff, but you've also worked with chem genetics, not chem 91, uh, chem sister and a lot of G's stuff as well. Yeah. Um, you know, talk a little bit about how uh, you know, you were able to incorporate all these kind of, modern genetics with some of that the older stuff as well
0: well and you know that's the thing is like uh if we're looking at like like kim dog right and people were to say well you know that's modern newer well me and you know like oh not so much you know it's like it does
2: go back yeah, yeah. man
0: nineteen nineteen ninety one, 1991 right. and what the actual the genetic makeup of of that is and, you know and i've always had my always had my theories, but. It was, let's see here, 2005, um, when I when I met when I met G, and you know it's kind of funny, man. You remember when you did the uh, the story and you went to his uh, spot in Mass? I was there right. the uh, the night before and the morning of, and he was saying you were coming by, and I was like, oh, that's cool as hell, but I got to go. I got town business in maine (laughs) oh wow
2: yeah i had no idea that's great yeah (laughs) it's amazing yeah
0: yeah yeah but i had left behind like some uh some clients worm and some bud and shit but i had to keep it moving but but yeah like you know old things that stand the test of time has always been my thing because like it doesn't survive prohibition right it doesn't survive by just people being like, oh, it's okay. Like it's still alive because it is that damn good, you know. Um, and there's things to be said about that, like smell and flavor, you know, those are those are things. But things from back then, they had to be strong. They had to be very, very potent. And something that like I like the smells and the flavor, you know, and you know that's gonna correspond with potency as well. But um I didn't like how I saw a lot of things. They were just kind of bred for that. They were just kind of all right. Like people were just smoking, like, oh yeah, it tastes great, but you don't really get get that much of a buzz from it. <clears throat> and I was also more eh, into doing a whole lot of medicinal medicinal breeding and stuff like that. So potency was on the chart. So these old these old old things that were that we're talking about, like Kims, you know, they're all derived at least, you know, this is just me and, and what, what I'm thinking, but, uh, NL, NL skunk derived plants, you know, uh, derived from hash mm-hmm. plant and, you know, um, and, you know, the old hash plants were NL, NL hybrids as well. So, um, and that, that could be said like, well, this phenotype of, of this progeny of, of these old things, like, work that back into those lines you know so that way you know you have a to me it's like the best representation of of that line i mean it stood the test of time you know and like you know smoking it personally myself it's like yeah it's it it hits all the it hits all the marks for me so definitely wanting to work that back into those lines to make something better equal to or better you know that that was always Mm -hmm. my line of thought with it
2: yeah, and also, you know, our show is geared mostly towards the the home grower, the person with like a tent in their house or their garage or whatever. My favorite type of thing. Uh, <laughs> me too, mm-hmm. me too. Because I think you know everybody wants to get into the cannabis industry. I'm trying to get them out of the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm telling them, yeah. just yeah, set up a tent. Yeah, <laughs> there's no reason. You know, you know there's an old like goat, not- how to
0: make uh, how to make a million dollars in the cannabis industry. Is uh, you go into the cannabis industry with two million dollars, you waste a million dollars and you get out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, I, you know, most of the people I see, you know, and they end up like hating it because they're growing in a hundred thousand square foot warehouse, and you know, they just, uh, they lose the the passion. But the real, I mean, the only highest quality you're going to get is from that. You know, four by four, or you know, four Absolutely. by eight, tent, or whatever it might be. Um, and I know that you put an emphasis on organics. I mean, I guess organics isn't even the right word for it anymore because that word's watered down at this point. <laughs> but uh, what 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 would be your recommendations for that grower in the tent? They've gotten themselves some uh, Dominion Seed Company strains, uh, and they're they pop their seeds and they're ready to go. Uh, but what do you what would you say as far as like, you know, mediums and uh, feeding and, you know, just basic tips that you would give them um, as far as, you know, how to feed and, and, and water their plants?
0: All right. Well, um, whether it's my stuff or anybody's stuff, the, the number one thing that um, normally screws people over is their environment. So concentrate on a, a good solid space <clears throat> with a controllable environment that's going to fall in a, you know, an acceptable you know, temperature range, humidity range. Once you have the environment, then you can work around, you know, with your, with your genetics, what, you, what you're looking for in your life, whatever, you know, you feel like you're, you're needing. Um, from there, um, this can be said about a lot of stuff but particularly anything um, sour OG, uh, any of my stuff as well. Um, low and slow. Um, the one thing I always used to say is like when it comes to weed, nobody underdoes shit. (laughs) Everybody overdoes everything. You, you, You gotta, you gotta get away from that mentality. So leading into organics, um, the, The main thing, like you might, you might already be an expert, but for the first person, you know, it's like not knowing what's going on in organics. We have uh, microbes that live in the soil and think about these microbes as your workers, right? They're going to be working on building this plant for you. Um, They're the ones that are going to be in the soil, breaking down all these nutrients and stuff, and, and eating them and pooping them out, making it available to be taken up into the plant. So focus on keeping them happy with uh, moisture levels and temperature and all that and, and good inputs. As far as the soil goes, um, you, you want something pretty even keeled. Um, avoid loading it up with um, alfalfa and kelp. That's another big one I see people screw up on. Um, certain things like that you want to have in your control that you can add when you want to. Um, particularly like the alfalfa and kelp Um, people beat it past say like day 21 and flower. And that's kind of a bad deal. So if you've ever known anybody with uh, the growing organically and their stuff is like grass clippings and burns harsh as hell, it's pretty much what you're doing. Um, Whereas you might have someone else that grows organically and it's just the loudest, best tasting weed ever. So um, just, you know, taking it, taking it low and slow um, you can always work yourself up, you know, like from the first time you grow a particular cultivar to the second time. You can you can play around with things like that, but a good even base and a good environment, um, supplementing inputs through like making brews, teas. Um, that that's that's pretty much where where you want to be. Uh, don't overwater. Um, that's that's another one where I see people uh, messing up. Make sure that these uh pots have not time to dry completely out but a little bit damper than say like fresh potting soil in the bag would be you know don't you know you kind of want to let it come to almost that point and then water appropriately like you don't have to do like hydroponics and water through the pot you know uh you don't have to drown them and waterboard them they got no secrets to tell so um (laughs) (laughs) so don't do that and then um Dry dry your uh, stuff after you break your plant down. Make sure that you're drying uh, correctly. Break it down in sizable branches where you remove the fan leaves. Let it come to a good dry to where you can actually like flip the, the leaf off, that sugar leaf off with your finger. Um, trim, trim from there. And then uh, realize that that's the beginning of your drying after you really trim. Um, you're going to be sealing it up. And you're going to be opening it up 24 hours later and you're going to see there's some some damp weed there. You are going to let it dry again. Um, the next time you do it, you're going to know some smells coming out, but it's going to fade away. You're going to repeat this process of sealing, opening, letting it come back to a dry. The smell is going to come back. It's going to fade away. Leave it open, it's like uh, slightly open so it can breathe until the smell comes back. Seal it back up. You just repeat this process until the weed doesn't stop stinking. Where it maintains a good solid stink, that's when you know you're ready to finally put it in a jar. So don't put it in the jar too early, and you're you're gonna you're gonna have some good times. Um, another mm-hmm. little trick uh, when you're doing your organic inputs, um, we're growing biomass first and foremost to to support glands or, or trichomes. Um, these uh, little glands with our terpenes and all these little compounds there, they're they're what what we want that's our end goal, right? So um, focus on the biomass, but also we need to focus on growing glands versus biomass all the way through. So um, organic inputs they're gonna they're always gonna do you better. Um, supplementing a sulfur um, like through like say like using epsom salt through like your mid flower like week five six and seven. Um, magnesium's gonna be there to help uptake phosphorus to give you your big blooms. Sulfur is going to be in there to help complete these terpene compounds, these these chains. It's going to make your weed stink a little bit better too. Well, on that a little bit, but a lot better. Um and carry you carry you through. So um those would be my quick run it off, super fast uh tips.
2: <laughs> yeah. So so when you cut down on the uh on the kelp and the alfalfa Mm-hmm. Um is there something else that you can use like a, a guano of some kind? Yeah. Um after those, you know, 27 days or whatever of flowering?
0: Yeah, so like typically um I'm I'm hitting it with like alfalfa and kelp and I'm not necessarily using it for its NPK value, but it's like it's a natural plant growth regulator PGR. Mm-hmm. Um they're not PGRs or at all chemical you know, like uh, or synthetic. Um, so like um, the uh in the alfalfa, you know, is a great growth stimulant and everything. So I'm using it more more for that. Um, once that point comes, uh, day 21-ish, I'm pulling that. Um, I'm starting to, um, well, not starting, but I'm continuing to use like a, like coconut water, something that's a good enzyme, rich in cytokines. Um, it's going to really boil down to that original base that you're growing in, if everything's good and balanced out, um, you don't have one gear coming out of, out of whack. So that way the machine is, is really, really working at, at its full, full potential. So, um, once I'm past that point, I'm not really looking to supplement any nitrogen. I'm kind of going off of what, what's already existing, um, in my soil. And um, yeah, I'm using my bat guanos. I like uh, bat guano derived from a fruit bat, like Indonesian bat guanos, good. I mix that with some earthworm castings. Um, the you know the Epsom salt's gonna come into play. Um, I like to use like a like a good blackstrap molasses that hasn't been all desulfured, you know, so it's got some calcium, magnesium, and stuff. And I like to mix that all up with some microbes, like with the air stone in a bucket or a trash can, depending on how much you're growing uh, and let those microbes work on that stuff for 24 hours, break it down. So that's another thing. Maybe the new grower uh, would need to understand is uh, what's plant available and what's not plant available. So by brewing this stuff with some microbes, letting them break it down. Now we've created something that's kind of immediately available to these plants. So that way we're Kind of like how the hydro grower would, would bury a feeding regimen from week to week. We can kind of do the same thing by bioavailability through using these microbes and these brews and feeding uh, week to week. So, um, you know, we kind of switch switch up from, you know, all this nitrogen and everything in flour to a higher phosphorus, potassium and bloom um, and things that help facilitate the uptake of, of these things like the magnesium. Per se, you know, and uh there's there's a whole lot to it. I know you don't do the longest show, uh, Danny, so
2: I won't I won't
0: go into the <laughs> the whole thing. Not
2: like Adam's show for sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, I appreciate the knowledge and uh yeah, um let people know where they can uh follow you on Instagram and also uh, you know, find out more about Dominion Seed Company seeds and where you know, where they can get those as well. Oh, right on. Um so for right now, uh, the real Duke diamond on
0: Instagram, um, I have the website getting put together now, but I'll have a post up for, for that. Um, far so as seeds, uh, like for, for right now, um, here in about a week, uh, seeds here now, they're going to have some, and you know, they'll, they'll have them of course in the, in the future as well. Um, but yeah, just, you know, you keep an eye on that Instagram. I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, least every couple of days, let everybody know I'm not dead or locked up and uh, yeah, <laughs> put the info on there.
2: Yeah. Well, that's such good news and we're so happy because like I said, I remember, you know, overgrow, IC mag, all, all the forum days of you sharing information, uh, genetics and, and all kinds of great uh, stories as well. <laughs> uh, and hopefully we can have you back on the show sometime soon. The cannabis community uh, really, you know, we all want to give you your flowers and let you know that we appreciate all your contributions to the gene pool and to the culture and the community. We're we're really happy that you're with your family and doing your thing, man. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Indeed. Thank you so much. Uh, And we will be back after these messages with more Grow bud Yourself. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweetleaf plant nutrients. Sweetleaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at Sweetleaf.com. That's S U I T E L E A F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DENKO15. All right, welcome back, and uh, thank you to Duke Diamond uh, Dominion Seed Company uh, Thanks to him for the uh, the interview and the great information and like i said he's been around for forever helping people out uh, from a young age and uh, definitely a man of integrity and uh, and loyalty. bringing that that southern oh. charm to the podcast, which we appreciate <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely love it and you know the south has played such such an amazing role in uh you know the cultivation world and breeding and all of that and doesn't really get the credit so uh it's great that uh he's out there uh pushing that and you know there's others too we'll have them on as well but he's a, a great representative for that and uh, also someone who's paid the price uh for their uh cannabis activism and all of that so thanks to duke and uh yeah we're now in the cultivation segment. Uh, No strain this week, so I'm going to get right to the chase. Um, The subject this week is growing weed or cannabis or whatever term you want to use for it uh, under fluorescent lighting or using fluorescent lights. So um, a lot of people use fluorescence as either supplemental lighting or for certain stages of growth, particularly uh, cloning. Because uh, clones, you you really don't want to burn them. You just want enough light so that they root. Uh, You don't want them struggling. So fluorescents work really well for cloning. And that's something most people do their cloning under Um, People, A lot of people will veg their plants under fluorescents as well uh, because it saves them uh, on electrical costs and things like that. Uh, But you can flower plants under fluoros as well. You just have to take a few things into account. So um, and the reason you would want to, A, would be uh, because they're very affordable, cheap, uh, uh, and B, is that they're, they're not going to generate a lot of heat. And that's, you know, that's the advantage of LEDs is that, is that they don't generate a lot of heat, but they're not nearly as affordable as fluorescents. So if you're getting started growing or you're interested in micro-growing, a lot of people have these very tiny spaces, these cabinets um, and things. Fluoros are ideal for that type of situation. Um, because you can keep them close to the plants as well, because they don't generate a lot of heat. And, uh, that's one thing you also have to keep into account is as the plants grow, you have to move, uh, fluorescent lights pretty frequently because again, they're going to be between, you know, two to th- two to three or four inches from the tops of your plants. And the plants can grow, uh, you know, up to an inch or more per day in some cases. So you really got to be on top of that. You don't want the plants actually like touching the bulbs or growing into the lighting systems. Uh, but you do want them close because fluorescent light is not nearly as powerful as uh, HID, uh, such as metal halides or high pressure sodiums, uh, or even LEDs. They they don't really get deep into the canopy, uh, so you really need to keep them real close. Anyway, uh, the pros and cons are to are things you need to understand in the in the early days of cultivation indoors, uh, in like you know let's say the sixties seventies really getting into like the the 1970s is when people really started uh doing indoor growing in america and fluorescents were really one of the few options that you had at that time i mean uh they're by the 80s then you started seeing a lot of hid lighting and uh parabolic reflectors those big uh kind of the ones that look like hats like the asian hats that people use in like a uh you know, outdoors. Uh, but uh, floros were really the only option in those days. So um, the earliest pioneers of indoor part farming used floros f- throughout all the cycles, veg, flower, cloning, everything. And they kept their mothers under it, too, if they, did, if they were growing, growing from clone. Um, and seedlings as well. So anything you can put clones under, you can put seeds under. Um, obviously, new developments have created more powerful lighting. I mentioned HIDs. Uh, There's also LEDs. Um, They are advancements, but they're also a lot pricier than just a simple uh, bank of fluorescent lights or tubes or CFLs, which are compact fluorescent lights. Um, All these units are fairly affordable, uh, very handy for growers with limited space or issues with heat Um, and micro growers in particular, which is a whole um, facet of growing that... You use this very small spaces, a lot of plant training, screen of green and that kind of thing. Um, And that lends itself pretty well. Uh, Fluoros lend themselves well to screen of green type growing because uh, there's a very level canopy and the bank of fluorescence. You know, these are four foot long tubes. So you really have to keep all your tops right around the same height. Um, So whether you're using wire or string or whatever it is as that horizontal uh, canopy top. Uh, you basically just want to keep tucking those branches in underneath there uh, and keeping them all at that same level, and then you can really lower that light right down to the to just above the plant tops. As mentioned, some growers only use fluoros for sprouting seeds, rooting clones, or during the vegetative stage, and then they'll put their plants under stronger lighting systems for the flowering stage. Because uh, you will end up with somewhat wispier bud, under fluoros than you would under HIDs for instance, or even LEDs. Um, now, tubular fluorescence, they come in a variety of lengths, widths. Uh, I, I, I recommend looking for uh, T5 models. There's a bunch of these, uh, Durolux uh, systems and other types of systems that are specifically designed for plant growing. Uh, so they have the, the, the proper spectrums as well. Um, You know there's bluer ones and and redder ones and you can use the blue ones in veg and the red ones in in flowering but um really you just want to find high output or ho fluoros Um, those are going to admit uh, about twice as much light as regular fluorescent lights you'd see uh, in an office building Uh, they're also going to use a little bit more electricity but these are definitely the preferred units uh, for indoor farmers and they're going to help with the production of trichomes and terpenes and all of that So, uh, if you're going to choose to grow with fluorescent lights, uh, make sure you purchase a a system specific for growing plants. Um, definitely change the bulbs often because fluoros tend to die out pretty quickly and make sure you place those, uh, lights as close as you can to your plant tops without burning them. Uh, and then you'll have successful harvests under fluoros. Uh, and again, it's affordable and, uh, and uses very little electrical and produces very little heat.
1: All right, yeah, thank you for the grow tip uh, on fluorescence. Good stuff, and uh, yeah, it is it is time now to take some questions from our listeners. And if you're a listener who has a question, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, so yeah, let's jump in here, and we'll start things off with Grow Farms, who writes... Hey guys, I have a question about hermaphrodism. I plan to check all of my plants every day, and this is one of the things I'll be looking for. What are the earliest signs a plant is going to turn hermaphrodite? And how long from those earliest signs until the plant begins producing crop-ruining pollen? Hours? Days? Uh, thanks for all you do. So yeah, what, what would you say here to grow farms?
2: Yes, this is a really good question, and um, usually something that somewhat takes people by surprise when they're growing. They, they, they're kind of like, whoa, how can my female plant make male flowers, or vice versa, although um, most of us aren't growing males. But, uh, you know, there's two things that are going to make a plant uh, go hermy, as we say. One of them is the, just the genetics in general. The plant could just be prone to that. A lot of Southeast Asian genetics, a lot of Thai, Vietnamese those type of genetics uh, tend to trend towards hermaphrodism or hermaphroditism. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that's the genetic qualities that are already within the seed. Uh, other, other things that can make a plant turn hermy is stress. Um, so, for instance, uh, if the light cycle interrupting the dark uh, during flowering, interrupting the darkness uh, with light can make the plant freak out uh overfeeding, overwatering, underfeeding, underwatering, any kind of stress really can can do this, but most likely it's light leaks. It's uh it's interrupting that dark cycle uh if it's not genetic. And some plants are just more prone to it than others uh and some plants kind of uh like I remember going strawberry cough, it didn't matter if there were light leaks, anything, it just for whatever reason uh was not a plant that was prone to turn hermy. Uh, But as far as the signs, I mean, you're not going to see any signs in the vegetative stage. You're not really even going to see much of it early on in the flowering stage. The first two or three weeks of flowering, unless the plant is really bad, uh, you're not going to really see much of anything. And then uh, basically once you start, once the plant starts really forming female flowers, um, they look like basically like little white, cotton puff balls kind of they start forming you'll see some white hairs um you'll see the calyxes begin to start to swell and that sort of thing and that's where um you'll you'll begin to potentially see uh signs of hermaphrodism which are going to look like these tiny uh yellow bananas basically sticking out from your female flowers so if you're looking at your female flower and it's all nice white hairs um, and there's no uh yellow uh we call them nanners i guess people call them that online as well they're basically it's short for bananas um it's these little yellow spikes that you'll see sort of sticking out now uh they haven't opened up at this point so you don't have hours you have days Um, But you have a limited amount of days before they open up. And I would say, you know, a week to two weeks tops uh, is where, you know, is that window where you can basically do something about it. And if not, and they do open up, they will drop pollen into your space and they will infest your female flowers with seeds. So to avoid that, uh, you're basically going to have to get rid of the hermaphrodite plants altogether. Uh, Some people will tell you you can pick out, you know, pick out the nanners and things like that. The only way that works is very, very, very late in flowering. So if you're in like, you know, your seventh or eighth week uh, or even ninth week of, of a longer flowering strain and you see, you know, a couple of nanners here or there, that's not the end of the world because they don't have time at that point uh, to open up and basically infest your plants with seeds. Now, if they do and you end up with like these little tiny white uh premature seeds, it sucks. And, uh, you really want to avoid that. So I, my inclination is just to avoid Hermes altogether. I see any sign of them. I get rid of them and they're gone. Uh, just because I don't, I don't want the plants that are going to go, uh, are going to give me the possibility of even seeding my crop. I don't want any pollen in my flowering room ever, unless I'm trying to make seeds. So, um, As I said, basically, once you've seen a sign of a male flower inside your female flower uh, poking out of there, I would get rid of that plant altogether. Um, But you do have several days to do that before, you know, catastrophe strikes. So my recommendation to grow farms is kill any hermaphrodites uh, as they appear. Keep an eye out for them. Uh, You know, look very strongly wouldn't worry so much like i said if it happens at the very very end of flowering um your buds are formed everything's pretty much done at that point it's not the end of the world Uh, although you know if you listen to people online they'll 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 freak out if they see that in a picture or something you, you know you just see the one little immature male you know nanner they call it in a completely finished uh flower that's not the end of the world it's when they form in the first you know. In the, in the second, third, fourth, even fifth week of flowering where they can do serious damage. So, uh, you know, try to get genetics that aren't prone to hermaphrodism. And uh, if you see them, kill them. All right, there you go.
1: Uh, we hope that helps you out there, Grow Farms. And let's go to the canna freak who writes, I spend most of my free time listening to you guys when I'm not tending to my plants. Crazy. Here in Kentucky, we have humid summers (laughs) and dry winters. Do you know of anyone that provides small-scale humidity control solutions for the home grower? And he notes that he is in an 8x8 sealed room. Uh, Most of the products I see are for larger-scale production, and it would be nice to find a self-contained dehumidifier that would work in a small space. So what would you say here to Canafreak?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, Uh, you've struck on something really important. Controlling humidity is very important. A lot of people don't do this and they end up with either, you know, really dry spaces or overly humid spaces. And that really depends on where you live and and what kind of air you're pulling into your grow. Uh, There are obviously companies that will help you even with a small space. I know quest uh, has some, some pretty decently sized uh, dehumidifiers that, you know, it's basically measured in pints per day of how much water removal. So you're going to want to get one of the lower pints per day, you know, 110 or so. Um, the amper- amperature that the unit uses is important as well. And there's cheap, cheaper units out there that will lower humidity. There's other ways to lower humidity as well. I mean, simple tricks like um, just increasing airflow and air exchange, um, having the lights off during the day and having the lights on at night will help uh, burn off some of that humidity as well. Um, cool tubes, for instance, and, uh, you know, pulling air right off of your lights uh, can help sometimes an air conditioning unit in in the space or in the space next to the space um, can also lower humidity. Uh, but a dehumidifier and a humidifier when necessary, as well as Uh, you know, controllers that will tell you when the humidity is too high or too low and kick in one or the other. And that, you know, an eight by eight room, I wouldn't even consider that a very small grow. I mean, that's a pretty decent sized space. And uh, there's certainly many different levels of equipment that you can get for that space uh, and all kinds of money that you can spend, but there's nice cheap dehumidifiers, uh, humidifiers out there. Uh, Again, AC will lower humidity, uh, air movement will help as well. Pull the air that you pull in, you know, you can, you can work with that. Um, so there's, uh, definitely, you know, ways to keep the humidity where you want it to be. I recommend it, it's different for different stages, but basically around 50% relative humidity is usually in the ballpark. Uh, you can go a little higher. Obviously during cloning and veg, you want it to be, you know, 60 or more, uh, during flowering, you could go down to 40 or so, uh, just to avoid any complications that can arise when you, when humidity is high. So, uh, yeah, it's, it is important to control humidity and it can be done in small spaces. So good luck to you and, uh, hope you can find the equipment, but remember you're going to need a humidifier, a dehumidifier, fans, and a controller, a regulator, something that tells you when the humidity is, is what the humidity is, when it's out of whack, and uh, sometimes can even kick in uh, the different, you know, the dehumidifier or the humidifier, depending on what's necessary.
1: All right. There you go, can a freak. Hope that helps you out. Let's move on here to Harry. And he writes Hey guys, how long does it usually take to see colas form after the 1212 light cycle has begun? So uh, what would you say to Harry and then maybe also for the beginners out there uh, explain exactly what he means by colas?
2: Yeah, so colas are basically the flowers that form uh, once you initiate the flowering schedule. So normally you'd have your plants under 18, maybe 20 hours of light per day. When you switch that with your timer to 12 hours on, 12 hours off, you've begun the flowering process. The time it's going to take before you start seeing colas form It's strain-specific, you know. Indica-dominant plants are going to do this a little sooner than sativa-dominant plants. But you should begin seeing tiny flowers start to form within about two weeks or so. Even one week. Uh, But definitely before about two weeks after you switch that cycle. Um, Some of the longer-flowering sativas might take up to three weeks. Maybe even sometimes a month uh, in extreme circumstances. But most of the hybrids that are available today in seed form are going to show you buds basically from about week one to week two, you should start seeing those little puff balls start to form. Uh, They look like, like I said, like little cotton balls, puff balls with white hairs pointing upward. Um, Males are going to look like tiny clumps of bananas and point downward. So uh, keep an eye out for males. Like as I mentioned with the Hermes situation as well, um, Uh, You should, within one or two weeks of switching that cycle, you should start seeing colas form. But, you know, we use the word colas to describe fully formed buds, you know, flowers that are tops and big, big, you know, donkey dicks or whatever you want to call them. Uh, They're just going to barely start forming after a week or two. So you will see them forming. But there is also some stretch period there, too. That week or two, the plant will continue to stretch. So keep that in mind. Remember that it's strain specific. But if you have uh, your plant under a 1212 and it's been a month and you're not seeing any flowers form, there's some kind of a problem. Either there's light leaks or there's some kind of a genetic issue uh, or somehow you're interrupting that dark cycle, whether it's light leaks or uh, going in during the nighttime or something like that. Uh, And that'll stress the plant out. That'll keep it in the vegetative stage and maybe even freak it out enough to herm out.
1: All right. Thank you, Harry. Thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. Uh, We actually are going to take another question over on Patreon about light cycles and uh, temperatures. So join us on patreon.com slash Danny Danko for that. Uh, Thanks to everybody who wrote in. If you have a question, uh, send it to us. Info at growbudyourself.com is our email. Uh, what do you say we take a little break come back and wrap this
2: up let's do it hey guys i want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors excelsior extracts outcast and toh from excelsior are incredible people incredible growers and they make an amazing product their THC infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat outcasts' chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E X C E L S I O R. E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All righty. Here we are. And I believe it's the wrap. So I'm going to say thanks to you guys for sticking around for episode 84. Uh, Thanks to Duke Diamond from Dominion Seed Company. Uh, we're all very happy that uh, you are out in the world with us. Um, thanks to our sponsors Organic Rev Growth Stimulant, uh, Sweetleaf Plant Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, and Rocket Seeds. We've got a bunch of different deals for all of those, uh, including um, for Sweetleaf, it's Danko 15 for 15% off. Uh, Rocket Seeds is GBY 10 for 10% off. Uh, Organic Rev Growth Stimulant is also GBY10 for 10% off. And uh, we also have an affiliate program with Vapor.com uh, where you can use the code Yourself 20 for 20% off everything site- site-wide. And that includes, uh, you know, all the best vaporizers, accessories and equipment, everything from uh, Puffco, Volcano, Dynavape, all the, all the big companies and all the rolling papers and everything else you might need, grinders, Uh, CBD products, it's all there at Vapor.com. Get yourself 20% off with Grow Bud Yourself 20. also want to thank all our Patreon supporters, especially uh, the ones who pledged $25 or $42 per month, which also gets them shout-outs, a live shout-out on the podcast. So I want to shout-out Tom from Australia, uh, Josh, Joshua L., uh, Sage from Washington, uh, Tom in Concord, I'm sorry, Tom in Vermont, uh, Luis in California, Justin in Oklahoma, uh, Funderdank in Texas, uh, Joe in New Hampshire, Xavier in New Jersey, and uh, Admiral in New York State. So thanks to you guys for supporting us at that level. The uh, I think it's the $42 per month level. Um, you are all... Uh, super heady chiefs and we truly appreciate your support Uh, we couldn't do it without you so i wanted to make sure i got those shout outs out there please send us questions if you got them check out our patreon page at patreon.com slash danny denko we'd love to have your support over there you get a bunch of free stuff uh, sweet leaf nutrients uh, codes for uh, you know up to 20 25 percent off of sweetleaf nutrients, uh, T-shirts, beanies, my grow book, a handwritten note uh, from us, as well as grow bud yourself stickers and much more. So please support us on there. That's one way um, that you can support us without being an advertiser, just as a listener. So uh, we truly appreciate that. And uh, all of you guys on YouTube, on uh, our website growbudyourself.com, and you know Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere where you can support us. Um we we do really appreciate it. And you know, we'll be back next week with episode eighty-five. Uh, I guess eighty four is done. Let's put it in the books.